This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of hi everyone uh, welcome to this week's doc and the guru podcast gordon how's it going Morning, Doug. Uh, yeah, I'm going pretty well. It's uh, starting to warm up a bit, so I've managed to ditch the jeans and lob them in the back of the cupboard where they belong <laughs> and taken out the shorts for summer, so I'm, I'm ready to go. You're very flash today with your shorts. I've still got my long pants on. And it's quite um, <clears throat> opportune because, uh, you know, Gordon, I can't speak for you, but I'm no fashionista. But today we are going to chat about... Um, a different topic, the, the world of beauty and fashion uh, around around marketing, different ways of marketing. And I'm going to welcome a special guest. Uh, and in keeping a guest with, with you and I, trying to get different interesting people on, Beverly Gardner. Beverly, thanks very much for taking the time and welcome. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Gordon. Joanna, you know, today, Gordon, we're going to chat a little bit about how beauty and the marketing of beauty has changed in the perceptions. Um, you know, certainly, you know, if you look at, at times gone by, you know, sort of the Pirelli calendar and the swimwear editions and all of those things, they're changing. Some of them are changing quickly, some a little slower. Uh, and Beverly's going to talk about that and not just the fashion side, but also fragrances and, and perfumes and, and personal care. And, uh, you know, both in the COVID time as well as her view going forward. So, Beverly, thanks very much. Just... Um, you know, if you can just give us a snapshot view of what are you currently doing, what are you, um, what are you busying yourself with at the moment, and then we can lead in today's, in today's d the discussion. Thank you, Doug. So my company is a consulting company. So I've been in the industry, in the cosmetic and fragrance industry for about 20 years. Prior to uh, COVID, um, I had a couple of consultants that were working with me on projects. So we basically work across sub-Saharan Africa with manufacturers of um, personal care products, fragrances. We help formulate, we help them market in their target markets. So I've been busy with that. Uh, COVID has changed things a little bit. I've had to be more or not so fussy about what projects I take on. 
and I'm working sort of more on my own now, um, purely uh, because of financial reasons. But in the background, what I have done is I've launched a, a fragrance and cosmetic range, one actually the weekend before lockdown. <laughs> so yeah. that's been very interesting. Um, and yeah, that's what I've basically been up to and then been spending a lot more time, obviously, with, with COVID as well. It's, it's um, you know, made me think about things that I've been wanting to get involved in, some of my passion points. So I'm actually spending a lot more time now in some of the townships uh, doing training uh, to the ladies and some men on fragrances and um, making up cosmetics, basic uh, cosmetic formulations. So that's in a nutshell what uh, I've been up to in the last uh, last while. Yeah, look, I feel spectacularly displaced this morning. I mean, I, I mean, basically, I am to the fashion industry what David Beckham is to the English front row. Uh, you know, and I'm talking rugby now. So, uh, but but I'm intrigued by by, by the shift and, and the new emphasis on on beauty and 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 you know, sort of recognition that normal people come in all sorts of different shapes. What's that lovely song? We love our loves in different sizes. You know, I mean, so. What's the fundamental shift? I mean, when did this whole kind of shift begin uh, from, you know, sort of the glamour look to, to a more sort of scalable human things? And I notice it's kind of interesting looking at the World Advertising Research Center. Uh, they've, they've investigated the top lead channels. We'll talk about media a little bit later. And the top creative kind of platforms as well. And it intrigues me that Number one, education and in, uh, information giving is, is, is the number one creative emphasis point. And we go through emotions, advocacy, et cetera, et cetera. But celebrity, believe it or not, and we're in the celebrity marketing or, or the influencer business, celebrity is, is, is recognized as the number six factor in terms of creative expression. So how did we get from glamorous celebrities showing off how gorgeous they are to um, this more hum human sort of scale? So to answer your question, Gordon, um, it's really basically been in the last couple of years, both in South Africa and internationally, so we can touch on both. So you've, I really think that with the regards to the onset of social media being accessible to so many people, what we're seeing is that, and especially uh, millennials and also the, the Gen Z generation, which is really your generation from... I think it's born from what about 1995 94 onwards what we're seeing is that this sort of uh, target group or audience because social media is a lot more available they are actually um demanding to see real life models and um and because it's more accessible people are posting or they're collaborating so we're seeing a lot of collaboration also with uh, fashinis here in south africa with um, with models that are not your your normal settled models like you would say glamorous. So you're seeing uh, models with vitiligo, which is a, a skin condition where it can happen to to uh, white people, black people, coloured Indian, even Asian, but less on the Asian uh, um, genetic side. Where you're seeing white and, and uh, brown skin pigmentation. So we're seeing a lot, lot more of that. And even Winnie Harlow from, I mean, she's a famous American uh, model, Victoria's Secret, I think, mm. when she became really famous in about 2017. And um, internationally as well, there's uh, uh, CSV, which is a cosmetic brand. Um, they stopped touching up pictures using Photoshop, using a more sort of uh, normal person. 
So we've seen a lot of that shift come from overseas and within South Africa. And a lot of it is from, from social media having such a big boom and allowing the, the average person, uh, I don't want to call people average, but, but your non sort of normal glamorous model being the, the one that, that dictates how the industry or how um, a lady or, or man should look. So it's really the, the advent of social media opening up so much that has allowed this to, to come into our society, which is great. And I think, I mean, just let's talk a little bit about a few years back. I think, Dave, if I, if I look at their real beauty campaign, weren't they one of the front runners of saying, listen, you know, let's peel back the layers of superficial beauty and talk about, in that case, real women and eventually it went into Dove men and, 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 and so on. Yeah, Bev, I was just saying, you know, the, the whole Dove campaign, wasn't that one of the front runners of that whole movement towards real beauty? So Dove definitely, and we have to give them credit for that, but Dove have been in and out of hot water um, quite a lot uh, in the last year or two. So there's been a couple of campaigns. So they did initiate that whole movement and, you know, kudos to them. A lot of companies have followed um, after that. But um, being as such a big brand and sort of leading the way in that they have come into hot water with some of their adverts, just one of them recently about a year ago, where I think it was for one of their body wash products, and they actually had um, a black lady in sort of a dark T-shirt um, taking off her dark T-shirt. And immediately after that was a lighter-skinned lady until it got to a white lady taking off a white T-shirt. Um, so, yes, they have set the way, but um, you kind of have to be careful with the, the advertisements because too much of, of a, a good thing portrayed in, in a very sensitive way with a lot of the community being quite sensitive as – the fact that um, what black women should become whiter is not the message you want to spread uh, globally. But definitely they did pave the way to, um, to sort of unpeeling these layers, to looking at, you know, the, the woman that we consider as, as normal, to be portrayed as a beautiful woman. Yeah, look, we've come a long way. I can remember the, the scandal and the outrage that Cindy Crawford, you know, would appear in, in major modelling uh, portfolios with with a mole on her was it her cheek or wherever it was on her chin I mean you know that was <laughs> scandalous at the time so we've come a long way but you're absolutely right you know again looking at the, the the global pattern in terms of I talked earlier on about the creative platforms or creative emphasis and celebrity had drifted way down the list but you were talking social media and social media is the number one lead generator for for uh, cosmetics and beauty industry globally Bad news for our colleagues at DSTV and the SABC, but television drifts all the way down to channel number five. It's it's no longer uh, a category which is driven by uh, you know by the big budget, big uh, kind of exposure. So, with your interventions in in community, I'm really fascinated about that because you know I've been working a little bit with the uh, the media development and diversity agency. So I have a real interest in community media. How how are you? beyond the training, getting young talent to, uh, to create brands, to communicate within the community and, and begin to, to, to sell their products? So originally with, with starting the company Skyam Consulting, my, my vision is always to be able to incorporate the youth. I have a very, very big passion for the youth. So, you know, in South Africa alone, I'm not exactly sure the statistics right now on hand, but I mean, there is a massive, massive um, uh, gap between those that are, are leaving school or those that have actually gotten education, a tertiary education, not been able to find jobs. 
And since the beauty industry is such a, uh, it's, it's a massive industry in South Africa. So just for example, um, fragrances alone, the retail of fragrances in South Africa per year is in excess of 15 billion rand. And that's in, in your um, official retail outlet. So that's excluding what, uh, you know, the fragrance sales and cosmetic sales happening in the townships. And uh, that's not recorded anywhere. So I've always had this passion being involved in the education facilities um, uh, through the um, the COSCHEM Society in South Africa, which is the only body in South Africa um, that you can get a, a diploma in cosmetic formulation, is to be able to provide job opportunity for, for especially the youth leaving um, school or leaving a tertiary education and not being able to find a job. So going back to your question currently um, with regards to the townships, the fact that if a person can empower some of the ladies, they're, they're not all very young, a lot of them are older, but once they have, once they understand how simple it is to be able to make up a formulation or to make up a fragrance, and if they have like a sponsor who can help them with some packaging and raw materials, they there's there's a really really big market um, happening um, out there that's not, that's not classified under retail. So there's a lot of mystery around in cosmetics and and fragrances, and even my own friends in the community they always think it's it's some big, you know, complicated formula, complicated thing to do. And it's not really. And I, I wish that there would be more people that would be able to, um, you know, share their knowledge. And that that was the whole reason that I um, had started the consulting side of the business. And then when I uh, launched my, my brand, I wanted to be able to draw people into this, um, this understanding of the simplicity of making a product and being able to, to sponsor just initially so that they can get up and running um, and be able to pro provide that little uh, township business model um, that that's available to to anyone who has a passion to to hustle to earn money. Yeah, look, fifteen billion is huge, mm. Doc. That's almost as much and as that, the ANC turns over in cigarette great. sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you must imagine, you know, that that's just the fragrance market. I mean, there, yeah. there's still the the, uh, the the hair care market in South Africa. So. You know, uh, for the ethnic hair care, um, it is a, it, it's also it's massive. So there's all these different sectors of, of the personal care cosmetic industry in South Africa, which um, is is really av available to to the average person on the street to be able to make up formulations, to be able to tap into that market. And just the other day, I was actually at um, one of the fragrance suppliers for my brand, and I was chatting to a lady there, and she said she has been she she makes some sort of homemade fragrances and she has been incredibly busy during lockdown she she's selling so much um she's also kind of like a sponsor and she has these little distributors in the townships um in the west end so just in the west end alone and she is like selling hundreds and hundreds of bottles of um of fragrances to the distributors so it comes back down to the point that even when you're in an in a, a economical crisis, you can look worldwide. Yes, uh, cosmetics is one of the, the, the areas, and, and we'll see in the statistics um, um, at the end of the year for, for retail, for cosmetics. But you find certain, certain parts of the cos cosmetic categories, they increase in sales. And it's phenomenal that worldwide you will see that women still want to wear a perfume. So there's something very, very magical about wearing a perfume. I mean, scientists have been, been studying this for many years. There's a connection between, I mean, it transports you in time to a good memory, to, to you know, an aspiration. So people still in the community, I found it fascinating when I was chatting to her, 
that um, she is busier now. I mean, she's had a business for a couple of years doing these homemade cosmetic formulations and formulations selling to distributors. And she is the busiest that she's ever been during COVID. Mm. And I mean, these bottles sell for, for um, a 30 mil, a 50 mil, 100 mil. I mean, they're all selling for over 100 rand. So they're kind of competing with your um, with your other direct sellers like your your Average Lane, your mm. Avon, your Justine. Those are the other direct selling fragrance companies in South Africa, and she's literally tapping into to that market and and selling and 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 making a good profit. So mm. you know it's it's you know good feel stories like that that um, you know we don't hear enough of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just, I mean, again, I'm no psychologist, but just listening to what she's saying, you can almost imagine it gives a person a sense of being normal, a sense of, of as you say, remembering the better times or good times. And it's, I guess it's like, you know, the saying dress for success or, or you know, put on a, a nice aftershave or, a, you know, in, in, in the case of, of uh, you know, your product, a uh, perfume. So that's great. Baby, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but just give us, uh, if somebody is now listening to the podcast and they want to get involved, they either want to get involved as they want to sponsor you, they want to get involved in the product side, they want to become a distributor. How do they get hold of you? What's the best way? Do you, are you in social platforms? Do you have a mail address? Yes, I am on social platforms, all social platforms. So um, either on LinkedIn under Beverly Claire Gardner, uh, on mobile on 063-925-5744. And I am on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my handles are normally Beverly Claire or Beverly underscore Claire, but uh, they should pop up. So I'm on both uh, Instagram and Facebook. Great. And my Thank email address. Yeah. yeah. You want that? Yeah, please. Uh, email address is Beverly B E V E R L E Y at Sky M S K Y E M for Mandy You're listening to the Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. That's great. I mean, you know, again, you know, Gordon, as you and I always say to our listeners out there, please get involved, you know, wherever you want to be in the value chain, if you want to do upliftment work with Beverly, give her a shout, get hold of her, uh, be part of the solution. You know, we've been in this dark COVID problem for a long time. Gordon, you and I spoke last week about the sun, not just the real sun, but the proverbial sun starting to shine perhaps on people. And it's great to hear that people are, you know, uh, making a great success out of what is, uh, you know, a large part of adversity for many people. Yeah, and I think for me, what, what's intriguing is, you know, that's such a multifaceted in industry that it's the science behind it that really I find intriguing. It's not just sort of a bunch of folks getting together and creating a fragrance or a, you know, or, or, or a cosmetic application. So, uh, Bev, I noticed that last year you, you gave an address at, at SAFI, which is the South African Association of Flavors and Fragrance, um, which yeah. included such intriguing entrees as insect ice cream, mapani worms, and infused flavored <laughs> beer. So, how, how does this whole sort of science behind it work? I mean, it, it's an all inclusive uh, sort of category when you go from, uh, you know, sort of lip gloss to fragrance to insect, you know, uh, flavored ice cream. How, how does that all gel from a science point of view? Well, for, uh, that's that's not we're not really finding that in South Africa. So a lot of a lot of these launches with these uh, these types of flavors, these uh, radical type of uh, um, connotations, are, are more to try and you know market and draw in a in a different target audience. 
But um, really, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the everyone thinks it's so hard to understand the science or the flavor or the fragrance. And it's it's not really. It's just made up of a couple of elements. And once you understand the basic the basic chemistry of it, um, as I explain in, in the townships when I do the training, and I'm also doing almost like a, a, like team building or, or ladies' day for corporate companies as well, because um, anyone can learn how to make a fragrance or flavor. Yes, for sure, you have to you know have some studies done to go into the more complex development of it. But um, at the end of the day, it is actually available for anyone to be able to to play around with. And, you know, as the market and as the, the world is progressing more and more, we're finding that there's more of these niche markets that are sort of rising up where people are bored and they actually just want to be tempted and tantalized by extraordinary things. So that's why you find, you know, a lot of these these strange sort of connotations with regards to fragrances and flavors. Um, I mean, there was even a lady in the, in the, in the U.S. who um, her husband died and she wanted a bottle he sent. And she went through a whole process of, uh, I don't know what she did, skin layering and this and that. And she actually bottled his scent and started selling his scent. So, I mean, there's some bizarre things that, out That there. is tragic. That may well be the most tragic story I've heard uh, during the entire COVID lockdown. I mean, I met my wife on a blind date over 50 years ago. And heaven forbid that she should bottle my scent. I mean, what an appalling thought. Um, just on the, radi- on the radical flavors, I, mean, I must say, I've had enough radical flavors. Alcohol-free beer is about as radical as I ever want to get on the flavor front. And may I never have to have that again for the rest of my life. But just quickly, also on, on, on the science side of it, I mean, I've, I've kind of doubled my investment in, in the beauty industry. I've gone from using shower gels to um, <laughs> actually upgrade, and I've got, a, I've got an aftershave balm as well. But I'm kind of looking at this, and, 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 I'm, and I'm so quickly going off single-use packaging that I'm almost going back to, so you know what, throw it all away and just use soap. What's, what's the state of play on, on single-use packaging in this sector? Well, you know, we're finding a very big, uh, a big shift, especially with regards to pa- packaging. So packaging. So, people actually want to environmentally. We want to reduce our, our, our consumerism, and we want to reduce waste as well. So, um, and we want something simple. So, even if it's to the formula, back to the packaging, we want we want something that has like a multi uh, beneficial use. And you're finding a lot of the uh, packaging suppliers and uh, cosmetic ingredient suppliers are actually more uh, investing more technology and more research into coming up with ingredients that are multifunctional and um, packaging that can obviously be used again or into into some other uh, form. And you're finding that the consumer is more driven actually um, from Europe and America, but definitely there is um, there is an interest here in South Africa as well because a lot of the companies, cosmetic manufacturers are, are multinational. So they are influenced from the, the European and the American counterparts. So definitely there is a drive towards um, that. We'll probably see a lot more of that coming in the future. Um, and also I mentioned to Doug a while ago too, mm. there's uh, a lot happening behind the scenes with uh, legalities, with packaging. Um, there's a tax that's going to come into effect called the polluter pays principle. And basically it's saying that uh, in South Africa, this is already uh, overseas already, it's, it's been enforced. But basically there'll be a tax for any brand owner, whether in FMCG, cosmetic, anything, any brand owner producing a product is already classified as a polluter and um, they will have to then prove what is actually happening to their, their final product or their packaging, where it's landing up. So it's forcing the, the, the brand owner, the producer or the manufacturer to actually rethink 
uh, what type of packaging and what type of formulation they're going to have, that it either doesn't land up in landfill or that it's time delayed before it lands up in landfill. So there's a very big drive, and that'll probably come into effect in the next year or so, a tax uh, on every brand owner. Yeah. Beverly, and just, I mean, you know, when you and I were chatting about that, you, you mentioned nuisance, nuisance packaging. You know, you open the, uh, you've got the cellophane around, then the box, then there's a cardboard, then there's this and that. And that's part of, part of your discussion of saying cut down on all those layers of packaging to get to the basic thing. That's the first part of the question. The second part, if you can just touch on, which I, I didn't know, was the whole refillable um, uh, product. You know, you take it in, you get your, your perfume, your aftershave refilled, you use the same container and off you go. So from a, you know, just from an environmental friendly uh, point of view. So with regards to, to nuisance packaging, there's also, that's also a, another sort of law that's going to come into place in the next year or so here in South Africa, already overseas, it's, it's in place. So nuisance packaging even goes as far as, um, you know, with regards to your, your chips, your crisps, that, pack, that uh, packaging cannot actually be recycled. It can be recycled, but what's happening is because it's such all your sweet paper, uh, all your straws, uh, your, your um, you know, the paper surrounding your straws, the wrappers of the straws, so what's happening in South Africa, we're not geared um, up so much to have so many recycling units around the country as compared to um, our European counterparts. So the guys that are collecting the, the, the um, recyclable packaging, they don't get paid anything um, for that nuisance packaging. So that stuff just gets uh, sifted through, filtered through, and, and it just lands up in landfill. So that's even now extending through to cosmetics, where companies like your Estee Lauder, Christian Dior overseas, they've been put a lot of pressure on um, because all fragrances, cosmetics, you know, it has a beautiful box. And often that box is, is laminated or it's waxy. Mm. And that doesn't get recycled. Um, so it's not like a clean box as such, just the plain copper box. And then it's got this, the, this film around it. So that's going to be another tax that comes into place because um, really the producer has now been, been pressurized to either produce a product that has um, uh, none of that on it or, or that is really just plain cardboard or plain uh, plastic, whatever that can be recycled. So that's nuisance packaging, all those thin films and that around. Mm. With regards to uh, refillable, so I'll speak mainly cosmetics. Uh, there has been a movement quite a few years ago. Your main fragrance companies like Terry Mulga, um, a lot of these places at Edgar's, um, um, some of the big department stores for, for fragrances, for cosmetics, you're finding that you can go and uh, refill. We're not finding that as much as we should in South Africa. Um, we are still comparatively much uh, uh, worse um, uh, with regards to that compared to, to Europe, where there you find in all your department stores, you can actually go and refill a lot of the fragrances. And, um, and there's a lot of incentives, um, even with the color cosmetics companies, where you can take back packaging um, and you actually get a discount. Off. We're not finding enough of that. So I'm very, very passionate about that and probably spending more time than I should speaking on it. But my brand, Beverly Clare, is, um, is exactly that. There's no nuisance packaging. And also there's an incentive for the customer that um, even the perfume that I do, it's a disruptor in the market. So perfumes are normally found in your deodorant cans, which are filled with gas, or they're found in bottles. My perfume does not um, consist of any gas and the can is, is reusable up to 10 times. So if the consumer buys the can, it's an e-commerce business, they go back onto the website, click a button, the courier collects at no charge, and it goes back to the manufacturer where it gets rebuffed, re-sleeved, whatever, 
um, it's sterilized, uh, a refilling of the, of the can, and it goes to another consumer. Plus, there's a track and trace involved with the product, so you will be able to log in a special code on your product, and you'll be able to know, so the company's totally transparent, and there's no one else in South Africa um, in the cosmetic industry doing this. You buy a cosmetic product, you use it, you throw it away, you don't know if it gets recycled. And I worked, I worked for Envirosive Waste for four years. I've worked on many landfill sites. I know exactly what's, what's going on. And I can tell you that majority of, of the, the cosmetic and the fragrance um, packaging does not get recycled. It gets landfilled. And oh. it's, 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 it's such a massive waste. Well, that's that's very encouraging because I mean, just looking at, at at the cosmetics and beauty industry generally, I mean, there's been a strong emphasis on e-commerce, and I was wondering how you know how that would accommodate things like refillable uh, packages or reusable packages. But but you're describing a scenario which would really work for me. And I and I was kidding a bit earlier, but I'm serious at the point where I'd kind of ironic used to pay a premium for a product that came in a fancy package. Now I'd almost pay a premium. For a product that doesn't come with all that, that other stuff, it's it's really weird. But that that's really encouraging. Just a quick question, um, again sticking to the science where I feel safer. The, uh, one of the concepts which really excited me about online um, activity was maybe about five or six years ago, where Microsoft was looking at producing a a, a scent creator in the same way that you have three D printing or, or just you know normal printing in a cart with cartridges. Um, what what has ever happened to that? There were primary fragrances which you could combine in any color. So if I was looking at the daffodils in wherever, uh, tulips in, in Amsterdam, I'd be able to hit the button. There was a little puff from from the screen and it would produce the fragrance. Does that Did that ever materialize? Did anything happen with that? As far as I know, it did. I actually, you know, when I worked for, for one of my previous companies, they a uh, massive, uh, third, about third biggest in the world manufacturer. So we used to keep up to date with all of these new developments. And as far as I know, that did launch. And I don't actually know, I haven't heard anything about, I mean, anyone that I know in my circle or internationally at that time. Because I remember when a couple of years ago coming into the company and that was one of our, our um, you know, we get all these sort of uh, tidbits of information, whatever what companies are doing with regards to fragrance technology. So I don't know if that ever materialized into a commercial aspect or um, if they actually did anything with it. But definitely that was on the cards. So I'm not sure. I know what a lot of these these fragrance companies are doing is they also, you can get like a, um, a USB port. So it became quite fashionable a few years ago where the fragrance companies would um, infuse the USB port with uh, certain uh, fragrance oils. You put it into your, your desktop, your laptop, whatever, and you'd be able to yeah, smell, smell whatever fragrance, um, almost like a sample, which yeah. actually is a, is a very interesting uh, thing as well going around worldwide because mainly now in cosmetic and fragrance stores, people are not going into the actual store. So how are they actually buying uh, a fragrance or cosmetic without trying it. That's that's where I was so getting it, to, yeah. Yeah, so there's been a lot, and we don't see it happening in South Africa. I've only seen a little bit of movement here and there with some small niche fragrance companies and, and cosmetic companies. But um, definitely in America, what they're doing now is um, giving like a flat transport rate, a very low transport rate, and you can actually get, uh, a, a, because it's a very sensorial thing you can imagine, and especially the sales are made in the actual fragrance stores because even just you know whiffing the perfume or trying on the makeup you you you've got no inhibition you just you've got your impulses to buy and you buy like right there so all of that has disappeared now with COVID. so a lot of these companies now are sending out um 
massive, massive sampling uh, to customers at a very, very reduced rate, um, uh, career rate. But we don't see, I've only seen one or two niche companies um, yeah, in South Africa. Now, I've started that with, with my range um, as well, with companies saying, oh, well, or customers saying, I want to try your fragrance and just charging like a flat rate, you know, like 50 rand. Um, yeah, you can have a five mil sample um, in the lure or the hope that uh, consumers will actually buy because everything has now become more e-commerce driven. Yeah, well, Doug, speaking of e-commerce, I'm going to throw it to you as the as the e-commerce giant to, to wrap this <laughs> up. And good luck to you, Beverly, or anybody out there who wants to capture my essence. I'm going to call my brand Grumpy. If you can capture <laughs> the, the essence of me in a fragrance called Grumpy, you're in the game. <laughs> Well, stranger things have happened. Beverly, thanks very much. And I think, again, you know, thanks for your time and your insights into the changing world of, of cosmetics and, and, and fashion. I mean, certainly, Gordon, just looking and just, you know, you always... I guess for every action is equal opposite reaction. And one of those is, you know, with packaging, you look at all those designers, you know, the guys that have gone to design school that have taken pride in in a beautiful design. You know, if I look at some of those high-end perfumes and, and, and you know, high-end fashion stores, but you look at that stuff. And so, you know, just fast forward that movie in terms of how that's going to change for that career path. So, you know, that's always the other side of, of the coin. Beverly, from our exactly side. Exactly like Yeah. Sorry, Gordon was saying one, I'll be half a second. One one point to note is that especially in the recycling world or in the eco-conscious world, you know, we were used to the terms uh, recycle, which was, you know, is old news. Then came reuse, which is a, a lot more we see of now, reusing packaging, reusing things. And now there's a third term in this uh, society and it's called refuse. Mm. And it goes exactly in line with what, what Gordon is saying. It's uh, customers and especially your millennials and your Gen Z uh, uh, consumers are now looking at packaging, looking at products, and if it's not quite tying in sustainably, they're like, well, I'm refusing. So that's the new term that we're seeing in the, the recycling world. We've, we've advanced from recycling to reusing to now refusing. So mm. this is gonna have impact on a lot of brands. And the more people are tapping into this, the more it's brands are gonna have to, to change a lot of their design work. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, just to, to marketers out there, you know, hopefully today's episode has been insightful to you as it has to us, you know, in terms of, of, of the nuances, the changing landscape across uh, across that sector. Beverly, from my side, I'm going to hand over to Gordon to close out today, but thanks very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And for our listeners out there, please get involved, get onto Facebook, get onto LinkedIn, like us, follow us, um, and be part of the conversation. So th from our side, thanks very much. I'll hand over to Gordon. Beverly, thank you so thank much. You, That's man. been really fascinating. And uh, to all the listeners, thanks for joining us again. If you have any questions, please pick it up on any one of our social platforms. And we look forward to uh, your feedback on the session. Really great. Thanks, Bev. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have 
some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.